The following contains descriptions of physical violence, sexual violence, and graphic descriptions of autopsies. Welcome back to TGIC Podcast, and Happy New Year! We are so excited to continue TGIC into 2021 with today's episode. I'm Jillian. And I'm Izzy. Today we will be talking about the bizarre and mysterious disappearance of Cindy Anderson, so let's just jump right into it. Cynthia Cindy Jane Anderson was born on February 4th of 1961, so she was 20 at the time of her disappearance in 1980. She was a legal secretary and... She had planned on quitting school to attend Bible college with her boyfriends, like, before she disappeared. Okay, let me just say something. I didn't know Bible college was a thing before we did this. Oh, I didn't know what that was. Is that... I don't actually still know what that is. I'm, like, I like, just assume it's, like, church school, right? I'm guessing it's, like, basically, like, Catholic school, but, like, college. Okay, why is it Catholic school, though? Because aren't there, like, all don- denominations of Christianity and stuff? Well, yeah, I mean, like, I'm just... Yeah. Guessing? <laughs> I'm just guessing, but, like... I'm guessing it's, like, going to a religious, like, private school, but then it's, like, college version. Yeah. That kind of makes sense, I guess. I'm, like, still thrown off by it because I'm just, like, I don't know. Well, because it says she was, like, planning on attending with her boyfriend, so that confuses me. Yeah, that does confuse me. All, like, in on this Bible college thing. And, like, what do you do with a degree from Bible college? Do you get a degree? I don't know. I have a lot of questions about this Bible college thing, but we, we should have looked into this. Yeah, we should Has have. no relation to her disappearance, but we really should do our research on Bible college. Anyway, relating to her Bible college-ness, she was raised in a strict and religious household, and she was so religious that her whole schedule was just filled with church and religious-related activities and events. Like, according to her parents, she was... Er... Okay, sorry, cut me off. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. sorry, I'm just gonna start... Um, so she was so religious that her whole schedule was filled with church and religious-related activities and events. According to her parents, her faith was, like, one of the most important aspects of her life. Like, she did everything because of her faith. And I guess that's really shown in the fact that she was quitting her job to go to Bible college. Yeah. And, I mean, personally, I'm not, I'm, like, not someone who's very religious. Like, my family is technically Catholic, but I honestly cannot imagine, like, having my whole life structured around religion like that. Yeah, like, I feel like that could know. be very, like, isolating and honestly kind of, like, I don't know how to explain it. It just seems like it could be very limiting. Yeah, and we'll get into that later because it's, it could have been one of the things that led to her disappearance in a way. Ooh. I mean, kind of. Not like, <laughs> nothing happened with the church. I'm just <laughs> saying. Her, like, religious personality may have had caused a few things relating to her disappearance, that's all. Anyway, so she had a very good relationship with her parents, and her father, as well as other people who knew her, even described her as quiet and obedient, and I think that, like, shows her personality, but you you think it's kind of weird for a father I, to describe his daughter like of, that way? I don't know, like, she's very quiet and obedient. No, I don't know, that that, that does creep me out a little no, bit, like, like I'm quiet and obedient, but, like, my parents no, would never describe me that way. They'd be like, she's funny and positive, like, she wouldn't be... Quiet and obedient. No, obedient's a weird word to use. Not like well behaved no, or like obedient, polite. Like obedient sounds weird. I don't, yeah, I don't. know. That gives me creepy vibes, honestly. Very obedient. creepy vibes. That sounds like like I don't know. I don't like it. Anyway, 
they, like, for a normal description of her, her friends and other members of her church said that she was very beautiful, soft-spoken, and that she often turned heads, so I guess she was pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was dating at the time of her disappearance, like we mentioned earlier. Her boyfriend was a member of the church, he was very religious, and he was planning on going to Bible school with her. Yeah, and he was, like, never mentioned anywhere. No, like, they he never was not a part of him. the case. Like, and I don't about? know if that's, like, fishy on the police's part or if he was just ruled out really early on or something. I don't know. And, I mean, I think that's totally possible because, like, a lot of times during investigations they won't release a name if they've already cleared someone because, like, they don't want them to be, like, associated with the case, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, we really didn't get too much into suspects and whateverness right now, so do you want to get started with the timeline? Yeah, so 1980, which was about a year before her disappearance, Cindy, who was 20 at the time, began having nightmares about being abducted and murdered by a stranger. That's so creepy. And, like, like repetitive dreams. Like, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, I've had a couple dreams before about being abducted. No, yeah, same here. Like, it happens. Like, especially when you do what we do, you have it in your head a lot. But I, I've never had, like, a re- the same repetitive dream like that. Like, that's creepy. Yeah, and apparently they got so bad that she ended up telling her mother about them, and her mom just kind of brushed it off and dismissed it. She was like, that's no big deal, it's fine, it's just probably something, like, God or the universe is trying to tell you. But, like... That's creepy. I don't, like... That's a big deal. That has a lot to do with, like, your like mental psycho- stability. That's psychological. Yeah, like, you really... That's, like, something you should see a therapist about. Especially since it was repetitive, like we were talking exactly. about Exactly. Like, that's that's really bad. Yeah, and so she experienced these nightmares for the year leading up to her disappearance. A year? Yeah, and they continued... Con- con- <laughs> <laughs> they continued until her eventual fate. That's creepy. Holy shit. Yes. Like, a, a year... year? And then she disappeared. Yeah. So, let's fast forward a little bit to 10 months before her disappearance. So, a message written in graffiti was posted on a building near her office that she worked in. And it was in huge, red, messy letters. And it read, I love you, Cindy, with a dash, G-D. Okay. So, this is weird. But, like, really weird. And, like, we've talked about how weird this is in our research. This is something I just thought about. You know how she was really religious? Do you yeah. Think GD had anything to do with God? Oh my God. Maybe. That's like the most random thought I think I've ever had. Okay. That, I don't even know where that came from. But oh my God. Do you, um, I wonder if that could be anything related to her church. Maybe. Ooh, that's weird. That just like made my like hair rise up on the back of my neck. Okay. So this like disturbed. I mean, obviously disturbed both Cindy and her family. But it wasn't removed from the building across the street for over six months. The jerks. Why couldn't you just, like, paint over that? Like, I don't understand. What's so hard about that? Like, six months. And this was later approved by investigators to have been made by a man... A man who intended it for a different Cindy. Bullshit. It was right outside of her window and, like... Yeah, no way. It's just... It's, like, so unlikely. I don't care how common of a name Cindy is. It's right outside of her window. It's not intended for somebody else. And I mean, like, I don't know, that was, and that was the only investigation done into the note. And, like, that could totally have been a lie because, like, they just took this, like, random-ass guy's word for it. Oh, yeah, sure, he seems reliable. What? Yeah, there's no reasoning for that. Yeah, and I mean, like, they literally found him by looking up the initials and looking for people in the area who had those initials. Bullshit! It could have, A, been anyone, I don't even know who this guy is, like... Yeah, like, like, 
what if it was like he did this for some other lady and it was like a totally different side of the like what if it was not even like a graffiti thing like you know what if it was like a little tiny note or something written outside and he's like oh no they caught me i'm really sorry about this yeah like what if he did like it's just there's so many things they wrong with this yeah like why didn't they investigate i feel like they should have investigated that more thoroughly so weird but she was also getting threatening and creepy phone calls where someone would be whispering or breathing into the phone. Oh, well, that's just the icing on the creepy cupcake. Like, uh, no, no. That is so weird. I mean, <laughs> I gotta be totally honest. I've prank called people and breathed into the phone. You have. Multiple I've seen times. you do it a lot. But, like, this was like. 19. Like, people weren't doing that then. Like, you have to, like, look someone's. Like, I don't know. I'm sure people were prank calling in 1980. It wasn't like yeah, a but it was like repetitive er, phone century calls. ago. Yeah, that's no. It's definitely creepy. I'm just saying it could yeah. have been a prank. True. It's it totally unlikely though. And like they never really addressed. I don't know. That could have creepy. been just a coincidence. So let's fast forward to August 4th of 1981, which was the last day that Cindy was ever seen. So she went into work that morning as usual. And she was usually alone in her office all morning, and she kept the door locked because, like, she had literally been having these dreams, and her employees and her employer knew about that. So she was just kind of on edge. It's so creepy that she, like, she knew to be prepared for something, and (sighs) something still happened. And so her office, she would always lock the door, and they had new locks installed, but she also had an emergency button installed on the bottom of her desk. So, like, if she ever felt threatened or worried about something, she could press it, and it would immediately alert the authorities. Oh, my God. And Can I get one of those buttons? Yeah, exactly. Do they still, like, like, like in your everyone house. should have one. Like, on a necklace, like, with those, I've fallen and I can't get up <laughs> buttons. <laughs> everyone should just have, like, a like a 911 button. I mean, that I I guess like that's why people have phones. Yeah. Like, that's actually really stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, just keep that in mind that that was there. And she was also, like, in a pretty toxic and overall, like, not a good work environment. And, I mean, honestly, this is kind of expected. She's working at, like, a law office and she's a sec- secretary. And it was 1980. I'm sure the yeah. sexism was, like, intense. Yeah, like, through the roof. So this was also one of the reasons that she was going to quit in the following weeks, along with her Bible college excuse. And, yeah, so that was the morning. And at 12 p.m., two of her coworkers arrived in the office, and the first thing that they noticed was the smell of nail polish remover, which lingered in the air. And I'm just gonna say something, Jillian, this is gonna creep you out. Chloroform shares a similar distinguishing smell. Fucking chloroform! This will live on forever! I don't know what the deal with this is. I'm telling you, like, the last, like, 10 cases I've been, like, researching have had to do with chloroform. It's driving me crazy. It's like this childhood fear has come back to haunt me. (laughs) And also, the doors were locked from the inside, and the radio, lights, and air conditioner were all on. So that means that Cindy had definitely been there. However, there were no signs of struggle in the office, and the door was still locked, which is super sus, and none of the windows were open. Okay, here's the thing I'm never going to figure out about this case. She must have left. I don't know if she left on her own or if someone took her, but there has had to have been some way out, and someone locked it from the inside and then covered up their tracks. How the hell is that even possible? Exactly. Okay, and also, this was in a strip mall. Yeah, exactly. It's like Like, one floor. it's It's one door into her little office. Like, just... 
I will I, I will never understand about that that about this case, and I'm really sorry because I just I won't and I can't explain it to you. Yeah. And okay, one of the things that I thought when we were first re- researching this case is like, what if someone knew about her and was like potentially like tried to make it look like she was there, but there was a witness who had seen her. Yeah. So, no, there's tons. There's tons of witnesses that saw her going to her office that morning. Yeah. And the only things that were missing were Cindy's car keys and her purse. Which is just weird because, like, if someone came in with the intention to rob the office, why would they just take her car keys and her purse? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. It's the law office. I'm sure there's much better things to take. Yeah, like, even if it's just information, that could probably still get you, like, money and stuff. Exactly. And also, like, it's weird to think that she had her purse and keys because, like, Think about it. If you're being kidnapped... Why would you grab your purse and your keys? Like, if someone is threatening you with violence, why are you just like, hey, can I? Can you hold on a second? I'd like to grab my purse. Yeah. Are we going? Let me, gra- let me grab my things. Like, I will... No. Like, that it just doesn't make any sense. And then also, if she chose to leave on her own accord, this makes sense because she could easily bail with, like, her purse and her ID and stuff. You know what I mean? Okay, but also on the flip side of that, I feel like if I were to leave my whole life, I'd leave my ID behind. Exactly. Like, I don't yeah, wanna, exactly. Like, what if I, like, I don't know, something goes wrong. I don't want someone to be able to identify me because, like... Yeah. Like, what if you're living this whole new life and someone finds your ID? Well, like, That's what if she, like, dumped show. it? Like, what if she, like, dumped it in a dumpster or something? I don't know. I don't know. No one ever found it. But the creepiest part about this whole entire case is that there was a book Cindy was reading left open on her desk. Why is that creepy? Because the part of the book it was open to was the only violent scene in the entire book. And this scene had the main character and she was being abducted at knife point. What the fuck? Yeah. What is this case? Like, what? I'm just... No, I'm sorry. I said something else. Was the icing on the creepy cupcake earlier? This is like this the is cherry the, or the sprinkle like, on top. And like, okay, I read paper books a lot. And first, it would be hard to get your book to stay open on a specific page. Okay, well, maybe she had a hardback, Izzy. Or what I, do you call that? Hard copy? What hard, is that? Co- hard cover. Hard cover. Yeah, but like still, like I just, that's just so weird. And like if you were being abducted, why would you take the time to open the book to that. Well, unless her abductor was, like, an obsessed stalker and, like, knew what to do to, like, make it look creepier. I don't know. Alright, so, I guess, I mean, we've already kind of, like, touched on suspects and theories in this case. Yeah, but but I guess we're gonna, like, go over them again. Yeah, just go really in-depth on actual people and stuff. Alright, so our first theory is that there was an obsessed stalker, which we were just starting to get into a little bit. So the theory is that Cindy was being stalked in the year or so leading up to her disappearance, and so, like, with all of her nightmares and the creepy phone calls and all that kind of, like, in the note, all the creepy stuff combined, it's like she was kind of being told something bad was going to be happening Like her subconscious? Like her subconscious knew because there were, like, these little creepy, like, the calls and stuff. things, yeah. Yeah, they kept happening. So it makes me think, like, in her mind, she kind of, like, like, what is that? Yeah, your subconscious. Like, yeah. she was kind of preparing herself almost, mm-hmm. and that's why the nightmares and stuff were happening. And the note could have definitely been written by a stalker, and the phone calls could have also been made from them, so that totally makes sense. I mean, that's stalker behavior, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like we said, this, like, she was described as literally, like, eye-catching and beautiful. So that makes sense. Like, if someone, like, some random creepy dude or woman saw her on the street and was like, Yeah, Ooh, women can abduct people, her. too. Yeah. Like, I almost just said woman power, but that's not really appropriate. <laughs> no. Oopsies. But, like... Yeah, like, 
literally, I feel like a stalker could totally be plausible in this case. And also, I think a big part of this is, is whoever committed this crime knew her schedule and had clearly, like, been familiar with what she does. And, like, that's what a stalker would do. And, like, specifically, they would have known that she was alone at her office at that time and, like, would have figured out how to get into this office, like, mm-hmm. and premeditated this crime. Like, a stalker watches you for a very long time. They figure out your routines and your schedule. They would have known that she was sitting alone in her office at that time, and it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so if this were to be a stalker, it would have, like, taken place over probably, like, maybe years since, like, all this stuff had been happening for years. Like, totally the past possible. year. Like, I think it just makes a lot of sense that it was a stalker. I... There's no other theory that sticks out more to me than the stalker one, except for the fact that they never caught anyone. Yeah. So, the next theory is that she was murdered for knowing too much about a drug conspiracy involving attorneys at her office. So, two attorneys that worked in her office were later caught in a drug conspiracy after her disappearance, and, like, drug conspiracy throws me off a little bit. I'm pretty sure that just means that they were, like, selling drugs. Yeah, I think they were probably just... Like coke or something. I don't know. I don't know. So they were selling drugs and like they were involved in this together with like a group, other group of people. And it was rumored that she had actually overheard a conversation they'd had and like therefore knew about this whole drug conspiracy thing. And one of them even testified in their trial that they had kidnapped and murdered her to like dispose of her knowledge. What? Yeah, so here's why, like, I'm saying this so casually, because we we looked in this case a lot, and Mm -hmm. I just, I'm sorry, if someone's testifying this, I assume the police, like, researched and investigated and blah, 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 because, like, someone has literally confessed, so they must have figured out that that was not what happened, right? Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like it would be more, like, it would be on the news, like, this guy would be listed right when you looked her up and stuff. No, and there's nothing. Like, And there's nothing. I, like, couldn't even tell you the official names of this guy. Yeah, and I just, honestly, this is my least favorite theory of the whole entire thing. Well, it's so not interesting. It's just so not interesting and not plausible, because, like, there's literally no sign of struggle. Yeah, like, that's Like, whatsoever. I'm trying to think of, like, well, I mean, I guess there really wouldn't be a struggle. She knew the person. They had access to the office. That's the only thing that yeah, really makes like, sense Yeah, but, like, if someone was, like, trying to abduct, like... I don't know if this is true for everyone, but if someone was, like, abducting me, I would be flailing, I would be knocking stuff around, like, I would be trying my best to get a, Well, she probably, if I had to guess, she didn't know she was being abducted. If this was the situation, they would have known her, they would have had access to the office, maybe they asked to, like, run an errand with her or something, and I mean, that would explain why she took her purse and stuff. Okay, that does make sense. No, so that, like... But it doesn't explain why the door was locked from the inside. Yeah, well, that's never gonna be explained. I don't care what scenario there is, that's not gonna be explained. Yeah. Anyway, so I guess that part of it's plausible, but, like, I'm sorry. If they have, like, official records of this guy confessing, it's assumed the police look into this and, like, there's just nothing. Because otherwise this would be a soft case. So I have to think that that is, like, the least likely thing. And, like, that probably happened a long time ago, too. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Now on to my personal favorite theory. That she staged her own disappearance. That's creepy. That's that's always going to yeah, be my favorite like theory. Like, shit. So, there are two probable reasons why. She wanted to run away from the forced church environment and work life, or she was crazy and mentally unstable. I think she could have been both. I think she could have been both at the same time. I mean, it's totally possible. I think the whole, like, her whole church and her work life was really bad and probably, like, really difficult to live mm-hmm. under, and... 
like, honestly, that could have either led to her being mentally unstable or, like, you know, she was clearly having issues with somebody who kept, like, calling her and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I think all of this could literally lead to you being crazy and mentally unstable or just straight up leaving. Yeah, just ready to leave. Makes perfect sense. And, I mean, I just thought of something that's not corroborated by, like, anything, but, like, like we said, she has, like, kind of a toxic work and school environment, and she's about to go to Bible college with her boyfriend. Well, her dad said that she had been, like really working on her appearance in the, like, later months. So, like, she started, like, dieting and working out and, like, doing all this stuff. And, like, maybe it was pressure from her boyfriend or something. Like, maybe she just needed to get out. Maybe. I mean, it's totally possible. It could be from yeah. anything. Like, I just think that there was a lot of aspects of this girl's life that could have led to her either going crazy or just, like, not being comfortable in her life anymore. Yeah. And she could have simply, like, taken her purse and keys and just left. Yeah. And, and like, this is the only solution that I'm going to come up with to the door being locked from the inside, but she didn't work in the office. Maybe she knew some secret way to lock from the inside, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, since she was so concerned about security and stuff, like, maybe, yeah, you're right, she probably totally exactly. knew her way out. And, I mean, like, just, and nothing has ever been found. Like, there's yeah. no suspect. They've never found her car. Like, they've never found anything. Like, at all. There was no DNA evidence in the office. Like, it's just... I don't know. I feel like this is the most plausible thing, in my opinion. And she left the book open on her desk as a red herring for investigators. You know, that's pretty smart. And I have to say, clearly this girl was, like, aware of true crime stuff. So, like, maybe she was like, if I'm going to stage my own disappearance, like... I'm gonna throw this red herring for investigators, like... Yeah, like, I'm gonna make it interesting. Spice it up a little spice bit. Spice it up and, like, try to, like, throw them off track. They'll never find me this way. Yeah. And maybe the nightmares and paranoia could have led up to her going crazy, in addition to the fact that maybe she was being ignored and belittled by those in her life. Oh, she totally was. I mean, her mom was like, oh, it's no big deal. Like, it's nightmares. fine. It's not it's scary at all. And then, like, honestly, like I said earlier, like... From what I've heard about, especially being in, like, a very religious and strictly religious household, like, it can be very isolating. No, isolating, stressful. Like, I could totally understand that as being yeah. something that seemed, like, forced your whole life, and then you just decide you didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I think this is a little bit off track, and I don't know this girl, I don't know this girl's family, but maybe, like, as a child when she was growing up, she thought, like, when her childhood was over, like... She wouldn't have to be into all the church and religious things anymore. Like, maybe she thought it was being forced mm -hmm. by her parents, and as an adult, she was hoping to get away from that, and then she happened to be dating the guy from her church, and maybe she just was like, this is going to be my whole life if I don't get out now. Yeah. I don't know. It's also totally possible that the church thing, like, was her whole life, like, that people said, and that she enjoyed it, and, like, it had nothing to do with her disappearance. We'll never know. Yeah. We will literally never know. So, this concludes one of the strangest cases we have ever researched. Tune in next week and listen to the last few minutes of this episode to hear a few of our podcast recommendations. Bye! You know what sounds really good right now? What, Casey? Listening to a podcast about true crime while cooking or baking something delicious that's on theme with that. 
Which is exactly what you get with our podcast. No way. Yeah. A sprinkle of sugar, a dash of murder. We are a true crime podcast, obviously with an element of baking. So we'll share a recipe with you, something on theme with whatever true crime case we are doing that week. Please tune in to hear something sweet and sinister. You can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Kim. And I'm Ashley. And we host True Crimes and Weird Times, where we answer questions like... Did the government really kill Danny Casolaro? Did you know that the movie Scream was based on an actual serial killer? How much do you know about skinwalkers? Join us every Wednesday for your weekly dose of true crimes... The unexplained... And the just plain weird. Check out our website, truecrimesweirdtimes.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook. And listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. So come check us out. We'll be waiting. (laughs) (laughs)